This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, I hope you brought your notebooks, because I got loads of stuff for you today. I said to uh, everyone, you know, if you can all just make sure we give me enough time today, because I'll be at least three hours. And I said, okay, no problem, I can do that, that's all good. And so, how many have been uh, blessed and encouraged by the last two weeks? Uh, All three of you, that's encouraging. Um, Thank you for your underwhelming support. Um, Okay, that's awesome. Well, we're carrying on today our series called Do You Hear What I Hear? And uh, and we're not just talking about the little voices in your head. So it's okay. We're going to go beyond that. Uh, We're going to talk about something significant. Again, as a pastor, I constantly get the same questions over and over and over again. How do I know the will of God for my life? And how can I hear God's voice? How many have ever had those two questions ever asked in your mind, in your heart, or even verbalized that at any point in your life? So five of you. This is good. We have a good group today. Do we need to stand up, do the hokey pokey? Okay. Are we good? Are we ready to go? Okay, that's better. Okay. Um, I like support. It tells me that you're listening. Okay? All right. And if I hear nothing but snoring, it tells me something else. All right. So two weeks ago, we talked about four keys to hearing the voice of God. We talked about stop, look, listen, write. Stop, look, listen, write. Right, it's good. And last week we talked about five ways to test the very things that you're receiving from God. We talked about five keys or five tests that we can go through to be able to know what God is saying. And today we're going to look at how to discern between God's voice, your voice, and the enemy's voice. Are you ready? Okay. That piqued some people's interest. Ooh, okay, that's good. Does God really sound like Charlton Heston from a big mountain? No, he doesn't. Okay. No, no, that's only in 1964 does that happen. All right. So I I wanted to start just with a a cute little story. I'm going to just read it here because I I think it's incredibly applicable uh, to what we're going to talk about today. It says this, a telemarketer uh, called a home one day and a small voice whispered, Hello? Hello, what's your name? Still whispering, the voice said, Jimmy. How old are you, Jimmy? I'm four. Good. Is your mother home, Jimmy? Yes, but she's busy. Okay, is your father home? He's busy too. I see who else is there? The police. (laughs) The police, may I speak to one of them? They're busy. Any other grown-ups there? The firemen. May I speak to a fireman, please? They're all busy. Jimmy, all those people in your house and I can't talk to any of them, what are they doing? They're all looking for me. (laughs) I have news for you this morning. God is not in the business of hiding from you. Okay? God is not in the business of hiding himself from you, hiding his will from you, hiding his love for you, and hiding his voice from you. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11, which I think this verse captures the heart of God uh, like nothing else. It says this, 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door may be opened to you. Oh, sorry. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? How much more? I have news for you this morning that God wants to give you the how much more to you in your life when it comes to his will, his voice, and his direction. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. All right. So if that is God's desire, and that's God's heart for you, why is it that at times we struggle to clearly discern the voice of God in our life? Thanks for asking. Um, There was someone in the Bible, uh, his name was Peter, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was one of the disciples. Um, He had problems, not unlike you and me. Um, He had lots of problems, actually. God used his story probably more than any other disciple to really uh, reveal the humanity uh, of not only his heart, but really of ourselves as well. Um, And and literally within six days in Scripture, in Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 17, in a matter of literally just a handful of verses, God actually reveals to us the voice of God, the voice of the enemy, and the voice of himself to Peter, Peter's voice, in other words, the voice of man, all within a couple of verses with one another. And it's amazing what it gives away. So I just want to read this this morning. The verses are on the screen behind so you can follow along with me. Matthew 16, verses 16 to 18. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me just go back one second here and give you the question. Jesus looks at Peter says, Peter, who do you think I am? Peter responds with confidence and says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. In other words, the voice of man did not reveal this to you. But my Father, who is in heaven, revealed this to you. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. It's amazing here, whenever God speaks... God's response to any spoken uh, request from him is always affirmation. He's reaffirming something. When God speaks, he reaffirms. His response is always to reaffirm. A couple verses later, Matthew 16, verses 22 to 23, it says this. Then Peter took him aside. He took Jesus aside. Why did he take him aside? Well, Jesus had just finished telling them that he would die um, a horrendous death. And Peter's response, look at this for a second here. Peter's response was, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of uh, of men. You are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. What was God's response to the voice of the enemy? Was to rebuke. So when it's his voice, he affirms, he reaffirms. And he reconfirms what he's saying. But when the enemy speaks, he rebukes it. I'm giving you some clues as to how you need to deal with the voices that you come in contact with. When the enemy's speaking to you, you don't just go, Okay, sure, Satan, yeah, just, can you please shoo, shoo, go away, leave me alone? No, he says, rebuke him. Others don't put up with it. 
We live, in a, we live in a culture right now where we're tolerant about everything. And it's not good. Some stuff is good. Some stuff, tolerance in and of itself, is not an ungodly or unhealthy principle. But taken to extremes, like is being seen in our culture today, is incredibly unhealthy. We're not to tolerate the enemy. Amen? Don't tolerate him. So our response is to rebuke. Then six days later, all within one calendar week, Matthew 17, verses 4 and 5, then Peter and James and John were literally going up the side of a mountain. This is when the, the transfiguration of Jesus Christ happened. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. What is God's response when we have our own thoughts or our own ideas prevalent over anything else? He starts to redirect. And who did he redirect back to? Jesus. The Word. <laughs> He's redirecting. Do you guys see that? So how in the world do we deal with the different voices? How do we understand what they are? How do we understand the... the if I can call it this, the symptoms of, of that life, um, the uh, corresponding fruit of that life. Well, I'm going to go through a pile of stuff this morning because I want you to see this morning how the enemy speaks, how your own mind and your own voice and your own heart speaks, and how God speaks. And I, I have news for you today. You do and can and will hear the voice of God. Some of you are like, well, I don't really know. Problem number one. Problem number one, reception is always affected by your perception of who you are in Christ. Your ability to receive is directly correlated to your ability to perceive. So I'm going to ask it again. How many believe that they can hear from the voice of God with clarity so that they do not have to doubt what they're hearing? All right. Thank you, James. You got my back. That's good. So, I looked at 32 different verses on Satan's voice and what he does, what he says. How many know that at the end of the day, if you keep coming back to God's word, it, tell, it gives away all the secrets? Okay? So, over 32 verses, now I'm not going to bore you by going through every 30, all 32 verses this morning, but what I do have is I actually have a list of verses that I've got in my notes. If you're interested in getting them, send me an email and I'll email it to you. Okay? But after reading 32 verses, I came... Uh, to the following conclusions about what Satan does. Are you ready? So this is his voice. This is what his voice does. He accuses. He lies. He deceives. He schemes. He steals. He kills. He murders. He destroys. He sets traps. It's a trap, Luke. It's a trap. Remember? Okay, sorry. All right. He rebels. Five days to go. Just want to let you know. Anyhow, he rebels. <laughs> The Force Awakens. Anyhow. Okay. Redirect. Redirect, yes. Very good. Very good. Now I feel that you need to reaffirm me, Jesus. Reaffirm me. Don't rebuke me, Lord. All right. He kills, he murders, he destroys, he sets traps, he rebels, he opposes, he argues, he condemns. He pressures, he manipulates, 
He tries to convince by persuasion. He introduces heresy, false teaching, false prophecy, and half-truths. He masquerades as an angel of light. And he always speaks to the very realm of your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. He will never connect with your spirit. He speaks to your emotions most importantly. Because that's the only way he can get a hook. Okay? He's loud, he's demanding, and he always demands an immediate response. How many have ever been around someone who's insecure, and if you don't give them what they're looking for, they react? Satan is the most insecure person on the planet because he was kicked out of heaven because of his own pride. He's the most insecure person ever created. So what happens is, is an insecure person demands a response. You must do such and such right now or else. You will miss the plan of God for your life. Okay. The entire Bible is the story of God redeeming a nation over thousands of years. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but that's just something I noticed. God is a redeeming God. Now, does that mean that he, he supports disobedience to his direct will? Absolutely not. But God doesn't have to manipulate you or demand something of you in order to get an immediate response. Are you tracking with me this morning? Okay. Satan's voice speaks of despair. You've missed it. You've lost it all. You can't get it back. You're not worthy. You don't measure up. Why would God even give you the time of his day when you don't listen to him? That's the enemy. How many have ever had those thoughts? Okay. Satan's voice causes confusion, unrest, and loss of direction. We're tracking? So, there's always two ways or two questions that Satan will bring to you um, in anything that you're going through in life. And it's really these two things that he keeps coming back to. And I want you to see them this morning. First one is Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Most of us know the story, but it's the story of, of the, the fall of mankind when Satan, in the form of a serpent, tempted Adam and Eve and they fell into sin and were removed from the garden of Eden. Genesis 3, 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say... Did God really say, you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Listen, the first thing he'll question or put a question in your mind is simply this. He will cause you to doubt who God is in your life. He'll cause you to doubt who God is in your life. Did God really say? He'll put into question the very things that God has declared about you, about your life, about your future, about your prophetic destiny. Thank you, Lisa. You're welcome. Don't miss it, January 3rd. I'm going to come with... Guns ablaze and I'm ready to go. I could preach it actually today. I'm so excited. But I won't. I'll spare you. He causes you to doubt who God is in your life. The second question is this. Luke chapter 4 verses 3. Uh, Jesus, before he starts his ministry, goes off in the wilderness to be empowered by the Holy Spirit for ministry. So there's a very specific purpose. He's being empowered for ministry. As he's there for 40 days, he's fasting for 40 days. How many know that the greatest weight loss program in the Bible is fasting for 40 days? 
Okay, I just wanted to let you know, January's coming. <laughs> Anyhow, all right, okay. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 3, it says this, If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. Can I say it like this? If you are a son or daughter of God. He causes you to doubt who you are to God. It's his two ploys. It's his two tricks. Everything he does with every voice and every, every, every tactic of the enemy comes down to two things. He'll cause you to doubt who God is in your life. And he'll cause you to doubt who you are to God. That's it. He's got no new tricks up his sleeve. He's never done anything new. It's the same garbage recycled for thousands of years. Same garbage. Can I give you an example? I remember going through this many, many years ago, processing through some decisions for my life. And as I started praying, I felt, first of all, I felt this cold, dark presence. That kind of gave it away. Number two, um, and then, you know, uh, the, the Wizard of Oz music, started playing in the background, and that was the second sign that that could, no, I'm just joking. It was the Jaws theme music. No, it wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't that either. Okay. Oh, it was Darth Vader, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been that, yeah. Yeah. Yes, we have theme music for the morning. Um, we're selling the CD of our theme music after. If you'd like to buy it, all the proceeds go towards Cameron's Golf Vacation. Woo-hoo! Yes, thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. But any of this story many, many years ago, I felt this, this cold out presence. But here's the first thing that happened. As soon as I started feeling a sense of direction that I knew was from God, the thought plopped in my mind, what happens if I miss it and I lose the blessing of God? First thought. And I went, What? First of all, it makes no sense. But in the moment when you're struggling, it makes perfect sense. Can I be real this morning? When you're struggling and not getting clarity, every thought that comes to your mind at that moment makes sense. That's why you get confused. (laughs) Because you don't know. Right? So the best thing to do is to take yourself out of the situation, go away for a little three-day vacation with Jesus, get in His Word and just listen to whatever He's saying pastor of the church we came from in Oshawa, he used to go away three or four times a year for three days. He'd go to a little cabin in the back of the woods. He would hold himself up for three days and he wouldn't leave until he heard from God. For the church, for his life, for his family, for his marriage and anything else. Now, I think that's a pretty good idea. Pretty good idea. But God loves you. He believes in you. The enemy wants you to be doubting who God is in your life and he wants you to doubt who you are to God. Do you see that this morning? All right, if we can go on, we're going to talk about your own voice. Um, And I can honestly say this morning, I think there's five major influences on your own heart, your own voice, and your own desire. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm picking my five favorite. Is that okay this morning? All right. Some of you may not fit all five. Some of you may fit all five. Some of you maybe just one or two. But I want to talk about the influences on your mind. Because really, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Therefore, whatever's being influenced on your heart and on your mind is what's coming out. So the voices that come out of your own life are the very things that are basically marinating in your heart and in your mind. Get that? 
Okay, so the first one is humanism, which is a system of values and beliefs that is based on the idea that people are basically good and that problems can be solved using reason instead of religion. I'm going to say that again. A system of values and beliefs that is based on the idea that people are basically good and that problems can be solved using reason instead of religion. I want to look at the progression of humanism in Romans chapter 1. Are you ready for this? Look at what happens here in Romans chapter 1. Verse 18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all humanism, all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So the, the reality is this, is every philosophy countercultural to the philosophies of God, literally it, what happens is, is it starts by suppressing the truth of God in your life. Pushes it down. Okay? That's what happens. The second step, verse 22, it says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. So after you start suppressing it, you actually become more foolish, not more wise. Okay, because you're disconnecting yourself from the very source of truth. Verse 25 says, and then they exchange the truth of God for a lie. So what happens is suppression, which leads to foolishness, which leads to truth being declared as a lie, and a lie being declared as truth. How many have ever heard that happening in our culture today? I don't know about you, I hear it all the time. Okay, so humanism has two incredibly powerful weapons. The first one is relativism. We're doing well the isms today. Are you okay with that? That's good. Relativism is this, the assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. No absolute truth. In other words, truth is evolving. It's not constant. What used to be true is no longer true today. We did a series about six years ago called True-ish. For those that have been around any length of time, you remember that series. Maybe I'll have to do that one again. That was good. But talk about true-ish. And there's a lot of true-ish thoughts that are out there right now. We have created hybrid after hybrid after hybrid of truth. But so much of the, of the hybrids out there are so filled with half-truths that we no longer understand or bring context to our life in the right way because we're filtering our decision-making paradigm according to the isms of the world according, instead of according to God's word. And I have, I have to say this morning, um, because sometimes when you hear that, you think, well, I'm not deliberately doing that. And I have news for you. No, I don't think a lot of people are deliberately doing that. I think you've just been in, in, around the world and the world's ideas and systems and watching media far too much that you actually, very subtly over time, start to think like the world on certain things. But you don't realize it until you have to kind of have a, you know, a, just a check a moment in your life where you look at things and go, okay, am I really living according to Scripture? In other words, am I really hearing God's voice clearly, or am I hearing something else? There was a 19th century German philosopher by the name of Hegel who's known uh, for something called the Hegelian dialectic. And for you, you're never going to remember that ever again, but that's okay. I want you to follow with me. His thought or thesis was simply this, that a thesis plus an antithesis equals a synthesis. So what does that mean? I'm going to explain it. Thank you for asking. It literally means this, that whenever truth collides with an opposing truth, it creates a hybrid truth. And that hybrid truth, therefore, must be right. You follow me this morning? Truth plus an anti-truth equals a hybrid truth that because it culturally fits 
with where our values are at as a culture, it must be right. That is the recipe for disaster. If you don't believe me, look at the parenting styles of people today. And that's nothing against people who are parents. Just take a look at the parenting styles of people today. I've seen people who are trying to be the best friend of their three-year-old and not discipline them because they don't want their child to have to go to an encounter when they're 21. So they won't correct them or discipline them. I have news for you. Your, child, your children don't start becoming your friend until they're at least in their late teens, if not early 20s, and then even then it's very, very different and you have to be very careful. Why? Because there has to be respect. There has to be order. If there's no order, there's chaos. You don't have to be your best friend of your child at the age of seven, okay? Be free from that idea because it's crazy, all right? Thank you. That was my good parenting moment for the day. Woo-hoo. All right, all right, moving along. The second thing is this. So not just relativism, but there's something called subjectivism. And it literally means this, that I, the subject, have the right to determine what is right and wrong without judging or submitting my judgments to any authority outside of myself. In other words, I am God. I make the decisions, and I don't have to submit that or subject that to anyone or anything. It literally says that since there's no absolute truth, you can't impose your beliefs on me. I am the source of truth. Scary. So here's some questions or here's some thoughts that will come with this particular uh, type of voice of man or voice of reason. It's, it's simply this. I want you to, and it's on the screen behind me, but I want you to read these together with me. I want you to just look at this. It says, so what thoughts are locked up in the realm of reason? What thoughts do you have that are locked up in the realm of reason? I have news for you. The enemy will make sure that you, you follow that train of thought as much and as, as, as often as you possibly can because it will take you further and further away from God's voice. What truths of God have you turned into half-truths for yourself? What issues of obedience have you overlooked? What words from God or what passages of Scripture from God do you choke on? You know, like a, you know, like a cat? You know? Do you know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> we had two cats for almost 20 years. I'm telling you, we were the, the house that understood what a furball was. They were everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Okay. One reason not to get cats. You're allergic to furballs. Okay, that's one reason. So, what's the second issue? What's the second voice? And I want you to, I want you to see this here because this is so key in where the deception comes in between your voice and God's voice. Allegiance. Who are you aligned with? Some of the most dangerous people in the world today are godly, uh, I shouldn't say godly, but God-knowing people who have a gift of God on their life but are not submitted to nobody or no one or no church. Run away. Does that mean their gift isn't accurate sometimes? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The Bible is very clear that you, the gift of God is always on your life, but that doesn't mean there's character to back it up. So what happens is, is you're, in a sense, under the subjection of their gift, and if their gift is not under subjection to Jesus Christ, then they have the ability to deceive you or to subvert the very plan of God in your life. Okay? So who are you aligned with? What concepts or ideas are you out of balance with? 
remember many years ago, uh, there was a, a great teaching in the Bible and a great teaching that had started in a movement called the Word of Faith Movement. And I, and I personally am a huge fan of, of some of those bedrock beliefs from that movement. But that movement over time got so far away from the very basic principles that they actually got a hold of that it turned into a prosperity gospel and a, and a name it and claim it gospel and, a, and a, it's all about us and it's a lot less about God and, and they put such an overemphasis on certain things that over time they got out of balance. There's certain people that have suppressed the Holy Spirit for so many years that they don't understand they're so far out of balance. Some people think that God is love, therefore everything we do is about compassion and it's about social justice and it's about humanitarian aid. No, it's about Jesus. But God uses that. So sometimes we can get out of balance with that stuff, okay? So what concepts or ideas are you out of balance with? What human philosophy do you have a hard time changing from? What does Donald Trump say that offends you? I'm sorry, that just, okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Oops, okay, <laughs> moving, moving right along. I'm telling you, I just watched Donald Trump for the humor. I don't know about you guys, I just watched him and go, how in the world can these people actually give him airtime? Like, it's just hilarious. Like, anyhow, sorry, not getting political, not getting political, focused, all right. What personal pursuits are you intimately invested in? I want you to see this because this is how yourself will start speaking louder than God. What personal goals, interests are you intimately invested in? At the end of the day, the hope, goal, dreams, future, everything has to be locked up in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if it's locked up in you, then guess what happens? Is your voice starts to, because you know the Word of God, will start to flavor it and, and tr change it over time to actually make it sound like it's God. How many have ever seen someone that can come into a church environment and they've learned how to become like a Christian in a church environment? And then they go to somewhere else and then they look like the world and then they go somewhere else and they look like a leaf in? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay. I'm sorry. what personal pursuits that you're intimately invested in has the potential to deceive you? One of the questions that I, you know, the conversations that I've had, we, we've had really ongoing with Ray, has been just the journey that God's had her on. And every step of the way, you just constantly see, God, I just want to do your will. God, I just want to do your will. God, I just want to serve you. God, I just love you. God, I just want to do what you want me to do. It's always about Jesus and never about her. She's going to be ordained on January the 10th because her life story is that it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And that is why she's where she is. And we're blessed by it. Tremendously blessed by it. What's the third thing? Reason. Webster's Dictionary, actually one version of Webster's Dictionary calls it a logical defense. And I think to myself... That is reason, in, in essence. We defend, right? So what are you defending that needs to be let go? What spiritual principles are you struggling with? What thoughts have turned into defended opinions rather than wise counsel? I think some of this is good today anyway. I don't know. What thoughts... I'm going to say this again because I think it's good. What thoughts have turned into defended opinions rather than wise counsel. Who is your confidence in, man's philosophy or God's word? Do you think that you own the better way or that Jesus is the way? Yeah. And 
I can't sit here this morning and say, you know, this is the voice of man and this is the voice of God in every situation because I honestly believe that there are certain situations and things that people go through that time is your best friend. And you need to allow the time to go by that God will confirm his word and settle it in your heart and give you peace. Right? The five things that we talked about last week. But I'll tell you this. Reason fights against oftentimes the very leadings and leadings of God. But I'll say this. God's, God does want you to use your brain. <laughs> We've come from certain religious backgrounds where they just say, check your brain at the door and just believe everything that's said. That's garbage. That's absolute garbage. God created you and he created your mind. He created your emotions and he created your will. And he wants them all subjected and submitted to him because he knows when they are. It's powerful. But he wants you to use your mind. But at the same time, we also have to understand the process and the plan of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19 says this, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Reason is good, but God trumps it. He's the trump card. Okay? Fourth thing is this, motivation. What's motivating you? Who are you comparing yourself to? If I can speak from, again, just experience here in some of the conversations that I've gone through, once I've kind of weaved through a lot of the things that God, what people feel God is speaking to them, one of the things that I kind of land on often I don't want to say every time, but it's very consistent and it's often. Is when push comes to shove and you kind of get rid of all the fluff. You know where it landed? It landed, I want to be like that person. I wish I had what that person had. I wish I had that gift. I wish I could be like them. And so you have to understand it's the voice of man. It's the voice of reason. It's the voice of your own heart that is trying to creep in there. What things in your life do you want to change and what is constantly familiar to you? These are some of the questions you can ask. If you want these notes, please email me and I can email them to everybody because I know I got lots of stuff today. Okay? All right? The fifth one. I actually just realized this this morning on my way in that I didn't mean for this to happen, but if you put the five of them together, it actually means harms. If you do it as an acronym. (laughs) And it does harm you in some ways. But the last one is self. What appeals to your emotions? What appeals to your desires? What appeals to your dreams? What appeals to your concept of what brings happiness? I'm going to read that last one again. What appeals to your concept of what brings happiness? These are your filters. This is how you're going to filter down. Is this God's voice or is this me? When you start processing through those five things, is this got a humanistic philosophy connected to it? Where's my allegiance? Right? Is this about reason? Is my motivation in check? Is this just about me? Self. Once you kind of process through those five things, I guarantee you that the voice of God becomes increasingly obvious. And I want to say again this morning, the voice of God is not difficult to hear. It really isn't. I'll say this as well. The voice of Satan is very obvious. So what people struggle or stumble is not the voice of Satan. It's discerning between what's them and what's God. Okay? So, saying all that, then how do we know what what is God? Thank you for asking. God's voice is always filtered distinctively through the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So, what do I mean by that? 
The very first filter is this. The Father, heart of God. He's going to filter you through your identity, your adoption, and your protection. That's how he does it. When you understand who you are, when you understand that your identity is in Christ, that you are a son and a daughter of God, and that he's out to protect you, then that's the first filter. Second filter is Jesus, who's the son. And the filter for Jesus is the truth of God's word, his grace, redemption, and hope. He always filters it through those four things. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the third filter, and it's the filter of comfort, care, guidance, and conviction. Notice I've never once said condemnation, blame, shifting, uh, shaming, guilting. Where does that come from? The enemy, right. So come, some, uh, some key thoughts here to understanding God's voice. Number, I can have a whole bunch of stuff here, but I just want to read this very quickly. God uses a still, small voice in order to teach you how to be quiet and to quiet your soul down so you can hear him. We want the booming voice of God, but the only booming voice on the planet is Satan's. That's the only booming voice that's out there. God's voice is still, small, quiet, affirming. Why? Because he wants to teach you how to get quiet and how to quiet your soul down, your mind, your will, and emotions to hear from God. I want to say this this morning as well. When God is silent on something, it doesn't mean he rejects you. God's silence is an invitation to go deeper. If God is not speaking, it's probably because he already told you something before. And you haven't listened to it. So he's waiting for you to get step one right before he gives you step two. Okay? So first question I often ask people is if they feel God is silent in their life is what are you not doing that he's already asked you to do? And they look at me like, oh, man. <laughs> Don't bug me. I'm not bugging you. I'm just asking a question. I'm not. I'm just asking. God's voice is always initiated by a father's heart, filtered through the son's truth, and ministered with the spirit's comfort. Always. No exceptions to the rule. God's voice is not the voice of anxiety, unsettledness, or exhaustion. If you're frustrated because you're not getting clarity on something, it's not, it's not God. Okay? God's voice is not the voice of obscurity. He's clear. God's voice is not the voice of gossip. What do I mean by that? He doesn't tell you other people's faults unless he intends you to be a part of the solution. God's voice is gentle and persuasive, free from pressure. His voice produces peace and a sense that God has everything under control, even if something doesn't look like it. Okay? God's voice is always clear and distinctive, giving us direction. His voice is never the voice of condemnation. Let me just go through very quickly. What's the difference between conviction and condemnation? Because a lot of people, especially Christians, stumble over this. Conviction and condemnation are not the same thing, so you need to know that this morning. Okay? Condemnation is vague and abstract. It says you are not okay. Conviction is specific. It says what you did is not okay. And you need to make it right. But condemnation says right away, you are the problem. You are not okay. Conviction deals with an issue. Condemnation deals with the person. Okay? Condemnation discourages and breeds hopelessness. Conviction encourages us to a closer walk with God. Right? The goal of condemnation is to make you give up. The goal of conviction is to help 
is to help you reach your maximum potential in Christ. You following with me this morning? Okay. So, some basic questions to ask yourself about hearing God's voice. Is this something that God has brought up before? I know, I know. Is this something that God has brought up before? In other words, have you been around this mountain before? Okay. Second thing is this. Is this the way that God usually speaks to me? Now, I run a little bit of a risk here with this, but I'm going to be, I want to be honest here. God often speaks the same way to you. Very rarely will he speak in a completely different way. Now, does he do it? Yes. He often does it when you're so settled in your own uh, way of hearing God that it's time for a little shake-up. <laughs> right? But I have this to say, God often speaks the same way. So if something comes at you that does not, that does not g- reveal God's attributes, the, the filter of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, you've got to dismiss it. It's not from him. The third one is this. Is this leading to greater devotion or to a greater distraction? Is it leading to a greater devotion or to a greater distraction? I'm going to give you a perfect example. Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes off to the wilderness. Satan comes and tempts him. He's been fasting for 40 days. What's the first thing he tempts him with? Food. How many have ever fasted? How many wanted food by the first hour? Okay. How many meant well but never made it to the second hour? Okay. Let's, let's be honest this morning. I've had some great intentions and I've fallen flat. But I tell you this, I don't know if you guys ever heard this story. I actually shared this at the pastor's potluck. But when we made the decision to move to Kingston, it was finalized in a month of prayer, January of 2006 at OCC. And what I did is I fasted and prayed for 31 straight days. I actually got myself out of some of my commitments of the church and I literally went to the basement and I prayed my guts out for 31 straight days and fasted. I was a great weight loss program, I'll tell you that much. But I fasted and prayed and what did God speak right at the end of that 31 days? It's, come, it's Kingston and it's time to get ready. And we said, yes, Lord. And then for two years we planned and then moved. But I tell you, that direction didn't come because I, I read something on a wall and that direction didn't come because someone prophesied it over me, even though that was confirmed. But it came when I got on my face before God and said, God, I'm not doing nothing. We're not going anywhere. We're not moving. We're not doing nothing until I hear from you. And God spoke. But Satan distracted Jesus with food. And then once he thought he'd get him there and he didn't, he went one step further and he said, Hey, I know you haven't quite started your ministry yet, so I'm going to teach you how to have all authority on the earth. But Jesus said, no way. I said, I know all authority only comes from God. And you know what? I'd rather be empowered by the Holy Spirit than get what you give me. So he looked past it and moved on. God's voice is precious. Take time for it. Stop. Look. Listen. And write. God loves you. 1 John 4, 1. And I'm going to come to an end here with this. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. In other words, if I can say it like this, check the origin. How many have ever played the telephone game? You get in a big circle, someone starts by say, whispering to somebody next to them what, something that they said, and by the time it goes all the way around, it's a completely different story. And you go, how in the world did that happen? 
well, it's kind of what happens in, in life, right? But at, at, the, at the end of anything, whatever we do, we always have to check the origin of why something started. Think about this with Hands of Hope. If we don't always come back to the origin, in other words, the vision of this program, we have the capability over time to get so far off the original purpose and totally be pulled in by different people's thoughts and opinions and start doing something completely different. Now, I'm not against expanding Hands of Hope, but the the vision of why we do it will never change because it's the vision from God. Amen? So what is the origin? What is the origin? Why was something created? Why was something started? Are you ready for this? I'm going to end with this thought. I hope it means something to you because it's meant a lot to me. Satan will try to interrupt the original thought. That's his goal. You will try to interpret the original thought. God will always invite you back to the original thought. This is what he does. Satan interrupts it. You try to interpret it and get confused over it. And God keeps inviting you back to the original purpose. If you ever keep feeling that God keeps just keep saying the same thing over and over again, and you just keep coming back to the same thought, and you can't shake it, I guarantee it's God. I guarantee it. When all else fails, go back to what the original intent was. Why did God ask us to come to Kingston? Well, we know why. It was to start a church. But it was also for the city of Kingston. We believe that we're here just as much for the city of Kingston as we are for Impact Church. And I know, because I've talked to many of you, that's the same way you feel. We're here for the city, just as much as we are for ourselves. But if you're struggling to try to interpret God's voice, let time be your friend. Because when time is your friend and you're not in a rush, God will always confirm and affirm the very original intent and purpose of his plan for your life. Satan wants to intervene in it, interrupt you. You want to try to interpret it for the rest of your life, trying to figure out what you're called to do. And God just says, just, come, just take my invitation. Some people say, well, what happens if I've lost the invitation? It's okay, he'll print off a new one. He'll send it to your address because he knows where you live. And he's giving you a personal invitation to his ball. so that you can dance with him. He's saving that dance for you. Because he loves you. And he desperately wants you to know that he believes in you. He's got a purpose for your life. There's a plan from the foundation of the world that he's put into place just for you. No one else can take it. No one else can steal it. No one else can rob you of it. The only person that can take it from you is yourself by not receiving the invitation this morning. The invitation is here God is giving you the invitation. Don't interpret your life according to what someone else is saying about you. Interpret your life according to what God says about you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.